Coming up on Garden Talk. If I feel like I'm off on the schedule or the plant is showing signs of like under food or too much food, then I, it gives me an immediate idea of like how much I need to either dial back the Floraflex or give them a little more. Any kind of training method that's out there, I've probably tried it with an auto. And I don't see any significant difference. But honestly, after like a year of doing that and just seeing what was coming out of Heaven's Tent running 18.6 and then seeing what was coming out of my tent in 24, I felt like there was no, there was no real difference. If you are planning on transplanting them, it's on a timeline. You have to keep that in mind. All these like theories, I, I guess, against autos when they're like, don't tap, don't do this or don't do that. All it comes down to is two things, your timeline and your genetics. What's up, everybody? If you that don't know me, my name is Chris, a.k.a. Mr. Growit, and you're tuned into the Garden Talk podcast. This episode number 54. In this episode, I interview Hi Again. Many of you know them from their YouTube channel, Hi Again, which has nearly 20,000 subscribers. They're both very big into growing autoflowers, and that's what we're going to get into today. Thanks to all of you who support this podcast or Patreon. If you'd like to support, you can do so by going to patreon.com slash mrgrowit. Before we get into it, I want to acknowledge that one of my goals for this podcast is to bring zero cost for information about gardening, all plants, to the general public. That being said, I'd like to thank the sponsors of today's episode who helped make that goal possible. Thanks to Spider Farmer for sponsoring this episode. Spider Farmer has recently redesigned their SF series LED grow lights. In the old version, the Samsung diodes are close together, resulting in the light being more focused towards the center of the coverage area. In the new version, the Samsung diodes are spaced out, resulting in a better light spread across the coverage area. I will leave a link to a Spider Farmer website and their Amazon store down in the description section below, and you can use discount code MrGrowIt5 during checkout for a discount on their products. Thanks to Dutch Pro for sponsoring this podcast. Dutch Pro products are now available in several countries across the world. For those of you that don't know, Dutch Pro is a plant fertilizer company that has base nutrients, additives, and pH regulators. They have different formulas of base nutrients for if you're in soil or if you're in hydro or cocoa. They also formulate their base nutrients for if you're using hard water or if you're using RO or soft water. I will leave a link to Dutch Pro's Amazon store down in the description section below. And you can use coupon code MrGrow10DP for a discount on their products. AC Infinity is a sponsor of the podcast. Coupon code MrGrowIt will get you a discount on their products. I've been using their Cloudline T6 and T4 inline fans for several years now, and I absolutely love the automation built into them. On the inline fans controller, you can have set points for high and low temperature, as well as high and low humidity. This greatly helps control my indoor garden environment, so the temperature and humidity stays in the ideal ranges. I will leave a link to AC Infinity down in the description section below, and don't forget to use coupon code MrGrowIt for a discount on their products. And we're back. Welcome to the Garden Talk Podcast. Today I am joined with Hi Again. How are you doing today? Hey. hey. Hi again. Hi again. <laughs> we back. <laughs> Glad to have you on board. So this is new for me. Usually I'm only interviewing one person at a time. This time I've got to interview two people at a time. So something a little bit different for this podcast, but I figured why not? You know, you guys come as a team there, as a group. Yeah, we are a package deal. Yeah. We... There we go. Package deal. <laughs> we are. So it's pretty much the beginning. We've just learned to grow. Yeah. We bounce off each other, so it's hard not to, you know. Yeah. 
It's just not the same. When one person is gone, it's, you don't get the dynamic. Yeah. That, that is. <laughs> That's what I figured. So, so yeah, let's talk about some autoflowers. We'll talk all about autoflowers today. I want to get deep into it and really find out what you guys do in, in the garden. But first, let's do an introduction. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and kind of how you got into gardening? Um, I guess that starts with me because I, um, as like I was telling you before, I've been observing, you know, um, the growth of plants in my whole life, even though it wasn't legal, um, you know, and it's always been something that I've been interested in and even just growing plants in general, um, has always been pretty interesting for me. Um, so when it became legal here in Michigan, it was almost a no brainer for me to just like to try it myself because obviously I am a user of the plant and, um, and I, uh, and it's just something that I just knew that I was going to be interested in. And, um, so I started growing my, myself and, um, that's, and like really right in the beginning is right when I met Neil. So he just kind of jumped on it along with me. Yeah. And when I, when I met her is when she was growing and I, of course, when it came up in Michigan to vote for it, like, heck yeah, I voted for it and it passed and everything. And it kind of fell by the wayside. Like I wasn't like gung ho about growing, but I was like, I voted for it. Cause I was like, heck yeah, it should be legal. And heck yeah, I, I maybe I want to grow it someday. But then after I saw her growing, it kind of like got me excited about it. And then. I had ordered her some seeds for her birthday, uh, some sour diesel autos. And then that was like our introduction to auto. Cause I didn't know there was a difference when I ordered them. I'm just like, yeah, auto even, sounds impressive. Yeah, I didn't even know the exact, <laughs> I had no idea that it was even, uh, there was even a difference in plants when he ordered them. We had no idea. Yeah. So we but just the, kinda, we just kind of fell in love with the autos and then that, you know, we started growing those and started the YouTube and that's kind of what got us into, I guess where we yeah, are we now. We just thought, <laughs> Hey, you know, as beginners, we we wanted to uh show show you know really that if we can do it anybody can do it like if and we don't know what we're doing you know when we started we had no clue so it's almost like we want to just show people that if if they want to they can do it yeah so we're kind of kind of just snowballed that's awesome. Yeah, it does take some learning, right? Some patience in order to do it, but definitely anybody can learn how to do it, I think. Yeah. So that's really cool how both of you kind of came together like that. So you guys are in the same garden, right? What's your style of gardening? Are you indoor, outdoor? Are you soil, cocoa, hydro, organic, synthetic? About to open the can of worms here. Um, <laughs> Well, we started organic, um, and and that was actually at my house. We actually don't we actually don't live together. Yeah. So, in the state of Michigan, oh, okay. um, we can have twelve plants per household. So we actually have two different grows. Yeah. So we can afford the oh. luxury of basically, you know, we're we see each other as much as we can. We live like an hour away from each other, so it makes it hard to make the content and stuff like that. But we're doing the best we can. But basically. Like heaven has her own grow, which is the five by five. And then I have like the four by four. So we're not necessarily growing the same stuff or or styles. We've been like going crazy, you know, trying all these different things that we can uh, and just having fun with it. So we do have like our each our own grow that we're both like involved with, but not directly, I guess. Because it's, you know, it's not like I'm 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 growing more organic. And actually lately and um, Neil's actually ending one of his first runs with 
with uh, synthetic. Yeah, I was. Um, we were both doing organics. So I actually started with organics. I've been using Nature's Living Soil. I've actually tried uh, dry amendments. Um, and I really love that. And actually, I get to learn the plant and what it's telling me, I feel like. And, and I get to learn it at an accelerated rate with autos. Yeah. Um, because every plant's different. Every plant's showing me in a different way. And I have to learn, okay, this is what that means with this kind of phenotype. So I feel like I'm learning at almost an accelerated rate with autos. But, I mean... I'm growing organic, so you are actually you yeah. tell them about how you're growing. I, I started too doing the organics. We were kind of doing the same thing, like dry amendments and like what we saw, like watching Mr. Canucks and like all the videos we've seen online. Uh, but then, I, so I tried that for basically the last year, um, and then switched over recently to try cocoa and like Floraflex and synthetic newts. Um, and it's like completely different, you know. Like I'm not used. It's it's a whole different thing, but I almost kind of like it in a way so you know it just gives us a flexibility to try different things with our grows um and you know we're always just bouncing ideas off each other and, and we're actually doing um something on our channel right now we're actually documenting right now um we're trying to the same strain in one organic one synthetic so um hopefully everybody can follow along that'll be a fun kinda, one. yeah it's a it's a really fun fun one you guys can follow along with so for autos in particular, container size is a big thing, right? So some people will start in a small container, you know, small solo cup, and then they'll transplant up into different size containers. Some people are adamant that you should be starting in your final container, right? So they'll start in like a, a three or a five gallon grow pot, and then they'll keep that plant in that container for the entire life. What container size are you typically in? And do you do transplanting like that or, or what? I think you should start this one. I, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I actually am for the transplant, and I actually have a couple reasons why I do that. Um, but uh, I don't think I'm really just totally one side or the other. I just feel like the transplant is just easier for my my lifestyle. Um, honestly, uh, I don't feel like putting it in the final pot or transplanting it is doing too much of harm, but I do think that there is that fine line. You, there's a time, there's definitely a time where it gets past where it, you, it's, it's an auto. So it's on a timeline. You have to think about that throughout seed to the end, no matter what anyway. Um, so for me, I do the transplant, um, but I do that because sometimes seeds don't make it and I don't want a whole pot that I made up and you know I'm I have a perpetual grow so it's almost like that pot will just sit around if it doesn't have something in it um, so for me it's easier to just wait that nine to eleven days um, before I transplant them to make sure um, but for Neil I think you do it differently. Yeah. So heaven's pretty much always done starting solo cups and then transplant into final pot. I've pretty much always gone, like I'll germinate them and I just do the paper towel method, like ghetto style, but it works good. So we, I mean, we sticking with that. So I just wait till it's got a pretty good tap root on it and then put it in the final pot. Uh, and that's the way I've pretty much always done ours, but we've seen so many comments about like, Oh, you can't transplant or don't start in a small thing with autos. Like Honestly, over the, the year or so that we've been doing the channel and the grows, like Heaven's Autos that she's always done solo cup to final pot, are, you know, 
huge. They huge ones, ones that turn out five feet tall and are just insane. Uh, and it's, you know, she transplanted them and people are like, oh, you can't do like, I feel like there's definitely some myths and things, uh, but we're just, we try everything. Like we don't care. We'll see what happens. But again, as with autos, I just feel like it's on a timeline. Even, even the transplant is on a timeline. Yeah, you definitely Your don't feeding do is on a timeline. No matter what with autos, it's on a timeline. So if you are planning on transplanting them, it's on a timeline. You have to keep that in mind. I agree. Yeah, you definitely got to do it on time because if it does come root bound in that small container, it could lead to a stunt growth, which, like you yep. said, it's on yep. a timeline. You could you get those little baby yep. little agree, one agree. Yep. So you do have there is a yeah, there's a time where you, if it's too late. <laughs> but there are benefits, too. So I've done both. I've, I've uh, you know, started in the final container and then I've also done the solo cup and then transplant up. I haven't done it enough to really have a, a solid opinion on it. You know what I mean? But I agree. Uh, actually, I did try that one time. I did try that. I, we did the solo we, yeah, cup one to a grow, one gallon, one to grow a three video. gallon, to a yeah. five gallon. It was, a, it was like a three transplant with the and auto. And the, the, the plant itself was very healthy, actually. It just didn't get very big. Yeah, it definitely stunted. Um, but it never ran out of nutrients. Like, it was always, it was, it was always okay. It did, I mean, it ended it up well. being pretty flame, actually. Yeah, because I assume you're probably transplanting into soil that is amended with some sort of nutrition in it. Yeah. So, yeah, as you transplant up, you're basically feeding the plant in a sense, right? Because it's, it's a new medium yeah. on that yeah. one. And then some people will swear by transplanting because they want the opportunity to have access to the root zone to sprinkle microbes on there, right? So mycorrhizal yeah. fungi is one of them that uh, is an extension of the root zone. It's going to help with nutrient uptake. And that's best applied when it's directly onto the roots. So some people are like, Yes, transplant, always transplant. They're hardcore transplanters because of that reason alone. So there are so many different ways to go about it. I was just wondering how, how you guys went about the autos, you know. So. Yeah, we love it. We say you got to grow to know. So if you're curious, freaking try it. You I mean, know? I, I haven't tried all the methods there is out there to transplant. And honestly, I'd like to try more. Um, so if people have techniques that I haven't heard of, you could totally throw them my way. Absolutely. Yeah, always welcome, uh, especially in the comment section of this video, if you're tuning in on YouTube, comment section, share some best practices. I love that. I love when people are able to share their experience on how they do things because others can read and, and learn and potentially implement in their garden. So that's one thing I love about the community. Let's talk about plant training a little bit. So we'll start with topping. Topping autoflowers. That's another uh, controversial thing, right? Yeah, like, you can't top people, autos. You can't top autos. Some people yeah. do it. Some people swear by it. Possible. What are you guys' stance on topping autos? Um, I feel like if the plant wants it. Yeah. It, 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 it definitely depends completely, I feel like, on, again, the, the timing of it and, and genetics. Yeah. I mean, in my opinion, when we've, I mean, we've topped how many? We talked a lot. We tried a bunch in, in groceries. We tried multi-tops, just single tops. We did try. Yeah, I feel like what we found for autos that seems to work the best is, like, if it's one that is overperforming or, like, getting tall really quickly, like, after a round it has, like, five nodes, we'll usually top it only once because we've tried, like, you know, topping multiple times. It just always seems to cause more stress than, than anything. So it seems like, you know, early on, maybe day 25 to 30, and just if you're going to top it just a single single time. Uh, on the main ones is what we, what we seem to work yeah, the best, but we've definitely I done both, that. and you know, it's definitely some perform and, and turn out great. It gives you a really even canopy and like 
you know, we usually do trim off also the bottom nodes early. Mm -hmm. um, Instead of topping, I feel like taking the bottom nodes off um, seems to do a lot better for the plant. Because the bottom nodes never end up being anything substantial anyway. That's what we've noticed Um, with auto. So we always, like, that's the first thing we chop, actually. Like, like the earliest, probably day 20, 23, we'll cut the very bottom two nodes because they never really end up growing out to be anything. So it's like get rid of them as soon as possible, give it a little time to recover. And if it is still beasting out, then, then we would usually do a top. Yeah. Yeah. But again, with autos, it's on a timeline. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I know some people who have, you know, some of these genetics are just so vigorous, so vigorous, especially if you put them in the right media, like an airy medium with cocoa and you get that, all that oxygen in the root zone, it's just real optimized VPD, CO2, all that stuff where they're running into height issues, right? You think of autos, you think of them being real small and stuff. Yeah. Some people want to top autos for height reasons and also to reshape the plant, right? Once you top mm-hmm. that apical meristem, that, that main shoot, it's going to promote growth on those lower branches. So it'll help with kind of an mm-hmm. even canopy and stuff like that. So there are benefits there. But the, the folks on the other side are saying, yeah, any sort of stunting growth on autos, anytime you top is going to reduce your yield. So I think that's another controversial thing where you just got to do it and try it out for yourself. Right? You got to. Uh, yeah. I'm not fun. necessarily. I feel like all these like theories, I, I guess, against autos um, when they're like, don't top, don't transplant, don't do this or don't do that. Um, all it comes down to is two things your timeline, and your genetics. That's it. I mean, when you really come, that's what it is. So when people say don't do this or don't do that, I mean, where are you getting this information from? How do you know? Yeah. Because you didn't try this strain with that, you know. You you can't really say. We've noticed that the the autogenetics aren't definitely as solid as, like, photos. So, you know, the one that we're going to do stuff with is that one that's, like, performing, like, ridiculous and it's, like, shooting up super tall, like, real fast. And it's like, well, we better do something about that. You can pretty much either only tie it over or you can top it. But it usually if it's growing so vigorously that we think that way, you know, it's going to – if you top it, it's still going to do pretty good. Yeah. Like, it's going to recover quickly and yeah. just keep growing like nothing happened. I don't, I don't know if I prefer the topping method. Yeah. But – We don't every time. It just kind of di- – plant dictates yeah. what we do. Yeah. Now, how about low stress training? That's something that's often done in order, again, to get an even canopy and help with even colicize across the plant and stuff like that. And it's very common with autoflowers. Do you do low stress training at all? Oh, yeah. Heck yeah, we do. We do um, the tie over method. Um, we use, I'm, big, I'm a big fan of the garden stakes because they're easily positionable and you can start to train it even if the arms aren't or the branches aren't to the edge of the pot, like some of the tie down ones. I don't know. It's just easier to move around. So we've been using the garden stakes mostly um, and the basement autoflowers training bags. Those are bomb too. We've been mm-hmm. using those. Uh, but, you know, we'll either usually tie it over or just like light branch stuff. Um, kind of some more tie overs lately as we yeah. try and like control the height and try and re- get a really even canopy without stressing it too hard. So that's usually tying it over at an earlier age or manipulating that's what I've been, branches. And that's what I've been implementing recently in my grow is just the the tie over um but i don't i don't even know if it really it helps necessarily yield um versus just letting it grow on its own i don't i don't necessarily think that i think that the plant's going to give you what it's going to give you 
in in that's just my opinion because I've I've we've tried low stress training. I've tried Christmas training it. I've tried topping. I've tried I mean any <laughs> any kind of training method that's out there. I've probably tried it with an auto, and um, and I don't see any significant difference. Um, I would say. If anything, maybe low stress training, maybe tying it over would give me um, better light to my bud sites. But other than that, I'd see no real benefit behind like yield. That's interesting you say that. I've uh, kind of the opposite in a sense where I've uh, grew now. Of course, we're talking from seed, different phenotypes, each seed, so everything's going to grow differently. It's going to depend on what generation they're on and stuff like that. But I had 10 autoflowers all the same cultivar. And I did, some of them I did low stress training on, some of them I just grew naturally Christmas tree style. And the ones I did low stress training on actually yielded more than the normally grown out ones that were grown Christmas tree style. So I'm, I'm a, personally a big fan of low stress training, but like you said, everybody's, everybody's different. I think it does come down to genetics for sure. It's just, it's so yeah. hard to measure, especially since they're all different phenos. Like there's no, there's no cloning of autos. Like you can yeah. clone an auto, but it's not really uh, that beneficial since it's on that timeline. Like you mentioned, you're not really going to get too much out of it as you would if you were to just plant a seed and, and grow that. So, Yeah, I do think you definitely can see better results, though, when because when you do tie it over and train it, um, you know, I'll, I'll depend on genetics and how the whole grow goes. But if you can get even light uh, penetration to the whole plant rather than the top down, because like we have the par meter, we've tested like the top of the plant versus your, your bottom nugs hundreds of pars difference between that, you know? So if you can get it as even as possible and then control your light, like, you, of course, you you should have better yields because everything is getting the same. It's not like just the top mm -hmm. nugs are getting the best light. Everything down is getting just kind of the lower par that's not going to, you know, I you're going to be more larky. I but I found that when we, do, when we do our autos, like, when when you start to stress train like that or do your training, I feel like the plant just focuses its energy on a certain few and it just does that no matter what. It doesn't yield you more in the end. It just gives you maybe better flowers. And that's just in my opinion. I guess maybe people may have different opinions. Yeah, but... grow it and try it. Find out. But I do think that the, I, I love low stress training because, again, you do get better flowers out of it and I don't know about yield, but um, if you're looking for a beautiful flower like I do, I, I low stress train all the time. It's my preferred method. We're always sure. ch changing up what we're doing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've been liking it, though. Yeah, I do like tying over. It definitely makes it fun. Now, how about defoliation of autos? Some people like to go in there and, and pluck off leaves, you know, for whatever reason they, they do it, whether it be air, increased airflow throughout the plant or in order to get light down in, in, into the, the canopy. Do you defoliate? If so, what's your method for it? Yeah, I've, I've kind of gone to primarily like leaf tucking, um, at least early on. I know some people are like gung-ho about chopping, but I don't know. I feel like I've kind of fall back to more leaf tucking as much as I can. But there's definitely certain autos that are just way more busy and way more bushy. And it's like you have to go in and start like just it gets so thick, like you're going to be prone to issues. And, you know, I, I always at least try and trim out the bottom portion, at least the bottom third to get the airflow and kind of keep everything good, you know, trim up the bottom side branches and then just selective leak. I could just kind of groom through it to make sure like what I want to be exposed is good. We actually just put a video out of one of yeah. our defoliation. Um, 
But again, like he said, I try to leaf tuck as much as possible until my leaves are covering bud sites, and then I'll just get rid of them. Um, I know a lot of people will try, you know, to leaf tuck as much as possible, but I just find sometimes it just ends up hindering the plant. So you got to really just, just read your plant. <laughs> just, you know, you got to... You got to become one with your plant. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Let's flip it up. Let's talk about nutrients. So what nutrients, I, I know you said you were organic. And so what nutrient line are you using and how often are you doing feedings? Me? Well, since I recently switched, uh, I've been using Floraflex with cocoa and man, I'm just following the schedule, dumping, dumping the water in and it's going amazing. It feels like cheating. It feels he like cheat growing. It is cheating. <laughs> It's, the it's scientists too, have already figured it's it out. It's too for easy. You. It's been flawless. It's beasting out. There's one in there that, man, I don't, it's not even, I'm not even going to call it an auto because it's at day 74 and it's like barely starting to bud. Uh, so I'm probably going to run that thing over the snowblower tomorrow. Yeah, we're going to probably have, <laughs> there's going to be a bit cool office. Slow motion. Yeah. I did, but it's just taking too long. So I'm like, yeah, <laughs> forget that one. So you're liking the Floraflex? Yeah, I, actually, I think it's pretty great. Like, I'm not really opposed to organics or synthetics, but I mean, simplicity, uh, you know, it's easy to follow. I don't like you add it to my tap water and then the pH is perfect. Like, all I do is mix up the powder it's not fair, and really. dump it through the cocoa. And, you know, the big thing is just watering more with cocoa. I definitely compared to organics and what we were doing. So heaven's been running organically. Like, I... Currently, I'm running Nature's Living Soil, which is an organic uh, mix, and I just mix that with HP, the Pro Mix, Pro Mix, and um, I also use some worm castings, and then I add the Harvest Hero. Uh, little perlite to make it a little bit more airy, just because that we seem seem to find the autos like it with at least something in there to make it more airy. If it's a cocoa or perlite or both or you yeah. know, whatever you want to throw in there. So um, that's what I've been running, and I, I think I'm dialing it in pretty well. It's taken me quite a while to really figure it out, but again, I feel like I, I'm learning an, ex an accelerated rate, yeah. and every phenotype is different, and it's 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 hard. <laughs> it's hard with autos. It's yeah. I mean, it's easy, but it's hard at the same time. Yeah, that's so. like one thing for people getting into autos. Like, yeah, they're fun and they're accelerated, but there's like also kind of no second chances. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, you got to like, learn it and move, yeah, move on. Yeah, because the plant's going to keep going like it wants to go. So if you're ready with nutrients <laughs> or not, especially like learning with dry amendments, which take time to break down. So you got to be OK with just letting things go. Yeah, like it's it's a learning <laughs> process. Maybe that's why the Floraflex is doing so well, because it's like immediate feeding. Like it's not mm -hmm. waiting for this to break down oh yeah. was, did it break down a week later than i wanted it to when the plant needed it yeah it's just like floraflex i'm just like dumping in what it looks like it needs <laughs> like, i feel like as a new grower and doing it organically is so hard because you have to understand that you need to understand the soil and not only the plant and a lot of people don't understand that you're not only reading the plant you're reading your soil and this is something that i've like the microbes in there. It's like the I've been so resistant, really, to learning about my soil and more about the plant. And um, I, I feel like that's something that I need to be more aware of and I need to advocate really more for because 
I haven't been doing. And so relationship. Yeah, it really is. So with organics, like I said, you're not only reading the plant, you're reading the soil and you need to know that your soil is also healthy. And if your soil's not healthy, your plant's not going to be healthy. So those are things that I've, man, need to overcome as far as like an organic grower. I think that's a great way to put it. I mean, they need time to break down, right? So those worm castings that you're adding in and the nature of living soil, the the, whatever amendments are are within that, microbes need to break those down first and put them into a form that's available for the plant to uptake, right? So it does, there's a little bit of a waiting period there. So, you know, if you're seeing a deficiency, then you might want to have move on to something that's kind of more fast acting versus like a top dress of amendments. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. And I think we definitely had a learning curve of where we were learning that. Like we were just using dry amendments and we're hitting issues and it takes too long for what we're trying to mix in to get to the plant. Like how can you, you know, how do you correct all these different issues immediately with autos? Cause you have to, you know, so it's like, it's a learning curve, but it's a fun one. Like we've never had any so awful that we just throw the whole thing away. You know, it's like something always good is Lisa's coming out, even though we're still learning. So it's fun to try new things and learn every time. Mm -hmm. Uh, And we've just been having a blast with it. Yeah. So for the, you said nature's living soil and then worm castings, Mm -hmm. when do you typically apply the worm castings? And then also, is there any other amendments that you're adding throughout the grow? Um, well, I've been doing right in the beginning of flower, um, which is, I I would say like around week five or six, I would start doing, uh, it's flower girl, which is a, uh, top dress with nature's living soil. Um, I've started doing that, but I actually started something new where I've been, amending it with the regular Nietzsche's living soil first and then the next week doing um, the flower girl, which is new and I think it's working for me. Yeah. But um, but then I, then I just top dress it every week and allow it to feed the plant throughout the week. Every now and again, I'll give it some molasses and um, some recharge just to make sure they're good. But that's probably maybe once to twice every two weeks so uh but other than that we just water okay that makes sense so that's the organic side and, and then neil on the um, synthetic side with the floriflex are you following their feeding schedule that they have like they, i know they have different ratios for their feeding schedule are you doing like a full dose with that or, or what yeah so they do have a um auto flower specific schedule that you can get from floriflex it's basically just like half of their photo feeding schedule like half the amounts pretty much it looks like um so at first i thought you didn't need CalMag because i saw like a bunch of them said no CalMag like mix but those were i realized later all for photos um so i did find that though when i was growing the autos i did see a little bit of spotting like brown spots uh crop up but i just started giving a little bit of CalMag and that went away immediately um and i've just been kind of tapering that off now that they're kind of heavy into flower because i I feel like what's in the spoiler alert they look amazing yeah it's going ridiculous like i'm I'm pretty sure it's probably going to be at least six ounces from just the look of it and it's you know just the very first run i was definitely under feeding for a while um because i wasn't sure like do i just start feeding the floriflex immediately at seedling i was like that seems like it might be spicy so i started it in like a cocoa loco uh mix and then for probably the first two weeks, I just gave it water because I did give it a, like I, I did like a one gram of Floriflex for a gallon. Uh, and then that seemed to get them a little yellow. And Heaven's like, maybe just let them go naturally because they do have 
you know, enough in them to get them at least their, like their first little set mm-hmm. of leaves. It's like just a seedling. So the, the Coco Loco does have some stuff. So pretty much I've just been starting in the first two weeks with just water. And then I'll start feeding the Floriflex at the chart, which is like 2.5. And it's been it's been going great. So got some Mephisto started. They're beasting out. So I'm like, oh, man, what's it, what are they going to look like? And then so you're feeding all the way up you know, into flower. Are you stopping feeding? Like some people will stop feeding like a week or two before they harvest. Yeah. And then do you do like a flush period? Do you do any of that or, or what? Um, on the schedule, it has a, like a flush period for the last week. So it, it has the newts right up to like the week before flush, which it kind of tapers off. And then you start your week of flush and then done. Um, but, you know, I... I've been kind of just like, we've grown enough autos. Like I can tell their stage and like, they're just entering flower. They're just doing this. So if I feel like I'm off on the schedule or the plant is showing signs of like under food or too much food, then I, it gives me an immediate idea of like how much I need to either dial back the Floriflex or give them a little more. Um, and you know, so that's what, that's just what I've been doing with this first run. And it seems to be working great. Like almost zero issues, literally just water <laughs> that's kind of not fair yeah. <laughs> it's, it's going i'm sitting good. here watching him do so good and i'm like man i'm struggling over here that's why i think the organics <laughs> like in learning that way makes you a better grower because you have a better understanding of like how to correct that stuff in the soil where it's like synthetics it's, or what at least the system i'm doing it's like dump more of this or that you know less more you know <laughs> so it's not like i'm really learning anything about I guess how the plants grow or the soil and the microbes and all the relationships. It's, it's totally different style of growing something, I guess you think about when you start growing. Oh, yeah. It is. Yeah. It's, it's, it's completely different. So many different techniques yeah. when you're talking about synthetic versus organic for sure. I mean, we go on and on and on about that if we really wanted to, but yeah, mm-hmm. but, but, but we won't. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's a whole nother conversation. But on the <laughs> synthetic side of things, a lot of people what to do is they'll monitor the pH is there a specific pH range that you typically aim for or are you hands off when it comes to pH? Um, for synthetics wise, it's been pretty easy. Like um, I've always, it says on the bag, like keep it between six and seven, I think. So it's pretty wide range. I'm just recalling. I'm not a hundred percent sure. Uh, but basically my tap pretty much comes out at seven, almost exactly right around there. Um, and I've been checking it all the time after I add the Floriflex and mix up my gallons that I'm going to feed and every time after I add that, it's it's like right 6.3, 6.25, 6.4. So I've literally just been dumping it at what it ends up being. and But it's always been like right in that range. And the plants seem to be responding yeah, amazing. Like it's the, the stock of the thing is like super duper huge for, I cannot for, wait for how big to, it is. I it's can't crazy. wait to chop this thing. It's going to be, oh my gosh. I, yeah, it's gonna be a it's gonna be a fun one. Knock it out of the park. And so, do you also do a, a runoff measurement for pH, or just you only monitor the the pH going in? I only p- monitor the pH going in. I haven't I haven't had any issues yet to where it's like, oh man, maybe I should flush it out to clean the salts or something. Like I always like water at least till a little bit runs off every day, but not enough to like flood the bottom of the pan. Like I pretty much got it to where I water and it will drain off like just enough to where, cause they're in air pots has a slightly raised bottom. Um, just enough to where it's not flooding it out and it's sitting in its own water pool. So I've just been watering like that and keeping them like moist. And you know, as they get bigger, you definitely have to water more. I've noticed especially with the cocoa cause it's like, 
the plant's so huge, it's just sucking the pot Suck dry. It and it's like, oh, got a coat. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to rig up an automated watering system here. I got some of the rings. Um, and then I can just mix up like a big tub of freaking Floriflex for a week and just be like, set it and forget it. Yeah, I cannot it. <laughs> wait for this. It's going to look dope. Yeah, it'll be fun. <laughs> well, it'll be easy, which is the main. So I have more time to edit videos. And, you know, should definitely be able to save some time there for sure. Now, yeah. now Heaven, on the organic side of things, pH. Do you monitor pH at all or what do you typically do for pH? Okay, actually, this has been a conversation we've been having a lot recently. <laughs> we about to have a conversation. <laughs> um, so I've always pH'd. I've always pH'd to 6.5. Um, even before, like, I was having a eye on a pH pen and I was trying to pH to 6.5. I was trying because um, I always knew that it was important, but I, I – didn't really understand why until I really started understanding, you know, the plant and how it uptakes nutrients. Um, and a lot of people with organics will say, well, well, don't, don't even worry about pH. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Well, so in this last two, two runs, I want to say I hadn't been pHing and I've actually had been running into issues near the end of flower. Um, because I hadn't been pHing my water to, and I usually do it, you know, with a range between 6.3 and, you know, 6.8, and I try to get it around 6.5. Um, and that's even when I have nutrient, or if, even if I'm like molasses or CalMag, I always pH my water. Um, and these last few runs, I hadn't been, and I actually was running into issues with uptake of nutrients. I, f I feel like that's what it is, because all of my plants were showing different signs, um, you know, of, of different nutrient deficiencies in excess. And I was like, what is going? The only thing for me that would cause that is a pH imbalance. Um, and I just obviously made that deduction so um because all my plants were just so different <laughs> um so i've actually my last run was starting to do the same thing and i'm like you know what i i've admittedly never checked my soil ph <laughs> until this week because i was like i've always been told it's, it'll just balance itself out while i checked um, my beginning balance for my end balance and it looks like it creeped up. It must have creeped up because I wasn't pHing. Um, so for me, I don't know if it's so much of pHing your water, but making sure your soil pH is on. Um, so if your soil pH is too high, then you should be pHing your water lower. Um, so if I just feel like you should just be checking your soil pH because it's something that I hadn't been doing and I know I'm working mistake, <laughs> but it's, it's a real thing. And I've had to actually learn that the hard way. I hear a lot of people saying ignore pH when it comes to organic as well, but really your, your water source has to do with, it has a lot to do with it. I mean, I fell in the same yeah. trap, ignore pH. And when I was growing organic, my water source is at 7.5 pH. So I was putting 7.5 pH water going in and my soil pH drifted up over time and it was a lack of nutrient uptake because the, the pH was so high. I know some people who had their water sources like over eight pH. 
It's like, yeah. Mine actually fluctuates throughout the year. In the winter, it's different from the summertime in my area. So I'm not sure if that's um, for every area, but I feel like at least checking your pH and making sure it's in a certain range. Yeah. And um, but your soil pH is, I feel like, the most important. Yeah, I've always had best luck, you know, adjusting the the pH of my water, making sure it's you know within the the. You know, six six point oh six point five range. If it's on, on cocoa, I usually go five point eight, and then I'll, I'll water in. But there are things in the soil that's gonna adjust the pH as well, right? The microbes can adjust the pH. The plant mm-hmm. can release acids yeah. that can increase the TH. For example, with yeah. iron, for example, if the pH is so high, the plant will release acids to lower the pH, so then it will be able to actually intake iron. So, you know, there are several different uh, things in the soil. I didn't know yeah, that, actually. Yeah, something I learned quite recently uh, from a scientist, wow. actually. So that's awesome. Cool. <laughs> right? That is amazing. <laughs> and I mean, they got to survive. It's a yeah, survival yeah, method. Yeah, yeah. So, it's, it, so there are things beyond just your, your water source of pH that's going to adjust the actual pH in the medium. So how about PPM or EC or other measurements that growers commonly make? Do you do it on the synthetic side of things? Yeah, the Floraflex schedule does have like a recommended EC for each stage too. So it gives you not only like how much you should be weighing and adding to your water per gallon, um, what EC it should come out to. So you know, I've been, I have an EC meter, I have a pH meter, of course, I'm checking, I still, even though it's always been like within that 6 to 6.5 range easily, just, just straight mixing it right out of the tap, I've still been checking the pH anyways, just because I'm still always curious if there's a drift, um, and the EC's always been pretty much bang on with what they suggest, so I've, I've literally just been, you know, I, I feel confident enough now with the auto watering system, like, I can just do the recommended amounts with, my straight tap water and it should just basically be maintaining unless I don't, I the one thing I haven't tested is like long terms, like mix it up, let it sit for a week. Like if I'm going to mix up a bucket mm-hmm. for a week's worth of watering at a time, like is the pH going to drift over time in that bucket? Yeah. I'm going to measure it and figure out if it's yeah, doing it's that. Cause then I'll have to maintain basically a mini, I don't want a huge reservoir. I just want enough to get me at least like, four or five days in yeah. case I'm at Heaven's House or we're, like, going to Chicago for Canafest. Like, I, I want to wanna make sure everything's not going to die. You want to, you know, Because I didn't go... water it one day. Yeah. That's a, that's a great experiment. I'm actually, I'm into that. Yeah. But from what I've seen, it seems to maintain. Heaven, do you do the monitoring of PPM or EC at all when growing organic? Never. No. Never. So, it's not, I don't even think So about it's very it. hands-off. I just yeah. find that... If your pH is on, um, if the plant is healthy, um, it's gonna it's gonna take what it needs. Yeah, there's a there's definitely something to uh, less is more, especially with autos, and you're just learning. It's easy to get as into long as that. It's there for it to take. <laughs> it's easy to get into that too much love syndrome where you're just trying to do too much at once, like with an auto. Like if you're new, just like take it easy. Like you know, if you're using bag newts from the store and you're getting some fox farm, like. You know, just water that baby just for like for the first, while. like you're, you're going to at least get to four or five weeks on just that, you know, don't go oh, yeah. crazy. You know, <laughs> it's easy to get out of control and get in there and start wanting to add stuff and do this. And, you know, yeah, I completely agree. Yeah. It's definitely when you have that bag soil that's enriched with, with nutrients, it can be a, a lot easier. And then, uh, you know, you definitely don't have to feed yeah. uh, right away for sure. Let's, let's switch it up. Let's talk about harvesting autos. Uh, I know there's quite a few people that struggle to identify when the plant is ready to harvest. 
what do you both do when it comes to harvesting autos? Like, how do you know when to harvest? Well, we have a saying, 84 out the door. So, I mean, that's really our general timeline. We're not going to say that every plant's at 84 days, you chop it. Like, that. it's more of, it's more of a guideline than an actual yeah. rule. Um, but, we, I mean, just like any photo. Really? Yeah, we're looking at the trichomes. We're looking for usually around 15 to 25% amber. It just kind of depends on the plant, what we're feeling for it, how, how the whole plant's looking, but definitely we want to make sure the trichomes are cloudy. We've found if we chop it when they're too clear, just ends up being like you get more of a jittery effect um, than what we're looking for. So we just find like, at least I like a little bit cloudier cloudy, with some amber, definitely. Amber. Not just on the very top buds, but like, throughout the plant yeah but okay. we found most autos seem to take you gotta look before. at the trichomes i've spoke to somebody recently talking about autos in particular and he brought up something that was very interesting he had mentioned that with autos in particular he found that some genetics don't really amber up it takes extendedly long time bananas will shoot out prior have you come across that in any of the autos that you've grown where it's just it's not turning to amber although the plant looks like it's done not really. I don't think I've seen that either with the genetics that we've grown so I mean, far. we've had the banana and then, you know, like bananas and stuff, but I think that was more or less, you know. Running it too long. Uh, yeah. Not even just running it too long. I, the, the light situation wasn't great. The, you know, humidity situation wasn't great at the time when we had experienced this. So I'm not sure if that had any to do with it or some feeding issues we could have been doing like stress will cause them to herm in in manner and i've definitely definitely probably stressed some one from a ph issue from a pen that was way out of whack uh and that was my own fault for not uh preventative and like calibrating it but you know you autos are susceptible to that kind of stuff heavy stresses because they are in that race to the finish like they're just trying to survive and they're just like on a beeline to the end so but as far as the flower itself um, I think it's just like, you know, any photo flower. You look at it, I mean, if you look at an auto flower versus a photo flower, I mean, if you're not looking at the entire plant, I don't know if you'd tell, be able to tell the difference. Okay, that makes sense. I just figured I'd bring that up because I heard, like I said, I heard that from somebody else. I thought it was super interesting. So I figured I'd talk to somebody who has uh, probably grown more auto flowers than me. <laughs> I've only grown probably about two dozen auto flowers total. So. I don't have that much experience with, with auto flowers, uh, but I, I hadn't heard that before. Dang. I, yeah, I've grown a lot more than that. Can't wait to see you do the <laughs> Mephistos and see what you think of them, because we, yeah. we think they're pretty impressive. Yeah. Should be it's awesome. Be so good. Light cycle. What light cycle are you typically using for auto? Some people are doing 18 Some people are doing 24. Some people are doing no darkness. 24 hours on and, and no hours of darkness. Have you, do you stick to one light cycle or you tried several or what? Well, Neil's tried a couple different kinds of light cycles. I've always done 18.6. It's always just kind of been a no brainer to me because I don't, uh, autos don't thrive. It's been proven. They don't thrive in anything more, or I'm sorry, less than 18 hours of light. Um, But, so it was a no brainer to me to just do that because obviously electric costs money so yeah (laughs) um so i just started out with that but neil's tried different light cycles yeah i pretty much since i started so when when like the two by four videos started like early on in our channel like that was basically the grows at my house 
Uh, and I started with the 24 because I was like, oh, more light, more yields. Yeah. You know, and uh, but honestly, after like a year of doing that and just seeing what was coming out of Heaven's Tent running 18.6 and then seeing what was coming out of my tent in 24, I felt like there was no there was no real difference. No like I didn't see difference. any substantial difference between the yields from her plants and the yields from mine. So I'm like, well, what's four hours more or, you know, whatever amount of time rest for the plants, you know, lower electric bill. And, um, you know, if I was to tell somebody new, like, just go 186 because you're going to be making mistakes. You're not going to be like so good at growing that you're maxing out this plant's genetics and potential where you could actually maybe see then a yield difference. Um, I feel like, you know, 186 unless you're really killing it or you're a really good grower, yeah. you're probably not going to notice any difference. And if difference. you, if you're a really good grower, then you should already know the answer. <laughs> yeah. I, I got to agree with you. I think there's 18.6 generally. I've tried both 24, 0, 18.6, 24 uh, light cycles. And I didn't see much of a difference except for my electricity bill, which was, yeah. which was higher. With the, yeah, you know, exactly. So, yeah. My personal opinion, it wasn't worth it, but I'm sure there's people that are going to comment on this video and say, what? You kidding me? 20, oh, 24, yeah. 0. I got 24 hours. <laughs> I, yeah, I totally got four more ounces. And maybe, yeah. you know, maybe they did. Like, I feel like some of these people in this deep water culture that can just make these plants go crazy. Like, yeah, you probably would see a better yield because you're, you're nailing it, you know, but like, right. we're, it's going to take I us years I feel the same way with CO2 good. though, by the way. Yeah. CO, we're, 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 <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's so much more that we could talk about, but we're going to kind of wrap things up here. I did want to get some just general advice from you two for the folks that are beginners growing autoflowers, right? What general advice do you have for folks that are that are just getting started with autos. Just know that when you make mistakes, just treat it as a learning experience. Because when you're growing autoflowers, uh, and I'll say it forever, but you're on a timeline. <laughs> so that is always something you have to consider. So when you're growing autos, um, just take every experience as a learning experience and, and move on and just know that you, you can, if you can do it, I can do it. <laughs> I'll just say that. Yeah. <laughs> or I'm, I'm sorry. I'm high. If I can do it, you can do I'm it. I'm high again. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like it's such a, it's a crazy question, but if you're new and you're thinking about getting into it, like you're obviously going to be le- leaning towards like, you know, some certain style of growing because basically you know, everybody has their own way of growing and you won't know until you grow. So just Mm -hmm. start doing something and figure it out along the way. Like community is amazing. It's super fun. It's a fun hobby. Anything you got to start somewhere. Yup. And you're pretty much always going to end up with something, you know, and and it's always going to be better every time. So just go for the gold. (laughs) Good advice. So tell the listeners, how can they find you and what do you have upcoming in the future? We're hiking on everything, luckily. So Instagram, uh, YouTube here, we have the channel. So you know, all kinds of fun auto adventures, trying all these different crazy things. <laughs> we're trying to figure it out, uh, having fun. Uh, we're going to be at CannaFest in mm-hmm. Chicago, April 9 and 10. So if any of you guys are going to be there, say what's up. It's yeah. going to be a blast. We're, just... we're up for our influence of the year. Not sure exactly what that means yet, but uh, it's very exciting. It's going to be fun. And there's a, <laughs> yeah, a bunch of people said they're going to be there. So yeah, we're like, heck so... yeah, we're going to Chicago. We're taking a train and... Um meet a bunch of people but yeah we have our lives every sunday i'm sorry every other sunday um and that is on youtube and twitch 
So, we out here. Sweet. Yeah. Well, I'll definitely have a link to your channel down in the YouTube description section below. If you're listening on one of the podcast platforms, just search for them. Hi again. Search that on YouTube. You'll find them. They'll pop up. If you enjoyed this video, click that thumbs up button. If you uh, haven't subscribed to the channel, please do. Every single weekend I'm releasing these Garden Talk podcast episodes. And I'd love for you to tune into future episodes. Neil, Heaven, thank you so much for coming on today. This has been this has been fun. This is a real cool, laid back conversation, and uh, it's definitely fun Heck to hang yeah. out with you guys. So. Yeah, we thanks I, we so love much. Us. We're we're big fans of you. Yeah, so. we love it. So, we, so thanks for having us on. Thanks so much, man. All right, take care, everyone. See you in the next episode.